What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz, the best podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at RBlitzPod, and at Blitz Videos. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to the Renegade Blitz. I'm Ty Polk with Chris Ward and Brandon Walker. Back with you to talk, well, a victory Monday. The Steelers beat the Broncos. Well, everything's going all right in Steeler land, but of course, we're going to make sure that you know that there's still a lot of things to fix with this Steelers team, but still, you have to feel good about a victory like that, huh, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, we just needed to win here after starting the season one and three. Uh, man, it would have been brutal if they fell to the Broncos and started the season off one and four. It, just, it really was a must-win, really, already in October for the Steelers. Yeah, it was. They came through. And they, I, I, you notice they've used the Brandon Walker uh, game plan to for success. Running the ball 35 times, 25 times for Ben throwing the ball. And one time in possession, 33 to 27. And they Paris got 23 carries for 122 yards. Success. Brandon quality control Walker, ladies and gentlemen. Quality control Walker. I tried <laughs> quality. I mean, that, that's really the recipe for success with this, you know, the current state of Roethlisberger. They, they, they got to feed Najee Harris and limit Ben's attempts. You know, 25, that's really perfect for him. They can't have him, like, throwing, like, 50 passes a game, especially with the offensive line. I mean, they, they have been, impro- been improving lately, especially the last two games, but – I mean, when you're one-dimensional and Ben's just dropping back there, I mean, that line's not that good where they'll just completely, like, hold hold off everything. They all have one set, just one. Yeah, and they uh, – Chuk Sikora for, uh, you know, he had a bunch of false uh, start penalties there. But, I mean, he was facing Vaughn Miller. But uh, if Vaughn Miller only had two assisted tackles in the game, he had no sacks or no, in, no impact plays. But I will say this about uh, at least with the false starts coming off the tackles. I, I seen that George Stoya, who was on the show for our uh, preview podcast with the Bengals, mentioned that Bobby Massey was also getting out a little bit early on false starts. And I think that will have to be a future point of, of emphasis with the NFL because I've been noticing that a lot of blindside tackles have been getting off the ball a little bit earlier compared to most seasons that I can remember off the top of my head. It, it's truly noticeable. So I think that's going to be a point of emphasis sometimes in the future, the playoffs, and certainly next season. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I was going to ready to say that on that point. It was like the right tackle, Massey, it was about five times that I counted that he went off the ball real early. I was like, where's the flag? I was, I was, I was like, whoa. But you playing against TJ Watt, I don't blame you, but that's just – it was just so blatant, some of them. I'm like, how did they did not catch it? 
I mean, there's a lot of things you could you could judge with that. I think that's more the league trying to protect star quarterbacks or even quarterbacks like Teddy Bridgewater. I think they don't want any more of those blindside hits that can really mess up a quarterback. Right. I mean, it's always the ones you can't see. And I know I just called Teddy Bridgewater a star, but I think he's good. But he's not a star in this league, but he's still a very good quarterback whenever the situation calls for it, like it was yesterday. But guys, I want to talk about a new game that I'm going to play probably every single week, just because it's really going to be up in the air with the Steelers results. I mean, it could go either way. It could be a win. It could be a loss. So I think it'll be a perfect time to do this compared to last season when, you know, the glamour party 11 and 0, everything is awesome. So I'm going to ask you guys to do this and I'll start it off first. One positive thing you you saw from this game and one negative thing you saw from this game. So I I mentioned this on the Twitter account. I am the runner of the R Blitz Pod Twitter account, just so you guys know. Um I noticed that with Chase Claypool, that 59 yard catch and run. I was trying to sit back and think of when's the last time the Steelers had an extended uh, yak opportunity, especially after last year's situation in which everyone and their mother knew there was quick slants on each side. It was just who was going to open up that little bit of space and who was going to hang up, hang on to the ball. And that was the first time that, that I really thought of since, uh, the game that Minka Fitzpatrick debuted against the 49ers, that was the first time that I remember a, an extended yak from any Steelers wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely – there hasn't been many. Uh, didn't uh, you know, bring up Brandon's Washington football team. James Washington, he did have a, a yak touchdown last year. Yeah, was that against the Giants? No, it was against Washington. Okay, then I guess that, that game's been x from the memory, but that was the first well, time where like, you could really sit back and really go, wow. Like, there, really, there really hasn't been a lot. I mean, that's like – I mean, I'm sure if I think about it more, there might have been other ones, but that that one I remember because it went for a touchdown. You know, they obviously ended up losing that game, but um, yeah, it was definitely good to see uh, some of the big uh, – you know, Ben going uh, back-to-back uh, weeks with the opening drive touchdowns, both – deep ball down the right sideline to Deontay Johnson, both of them uh, in back-to-back weeks. So that's definitely encouraging. And uh, Claypool really, really had a big game. Um, uh, as far as positive, I'll, I'll probably say that as the skill players really came up, uh, showed up, uh, you know, like as I mentioned, Johnson and Claypool, but really it was good to see the Steelers get that run game going because uh, that, that's really what's been hurting them lately is uh, just haven't been able to get that run game. Uh, offense line is really starting to improve. Uh, credit to Adrian Clem, uh, Matt Canada. They 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 all before, uh, called or well, Adrian Clem. He coached a good game, I thought, where he got the offensive line ready and stuff. Well, yeah. Well, piggybacking on the line, I, you didn't see that much chipping, having them help out. So the five guys up front for the Steelers really held their own against Vaughn Miller and uh, Shelby Harris and uh, Johnson and the rest of them. So, and plus you could say Najee Harris, 23 for 122. Claypool with 5 for uh, 130. Deontay Johnson had two big catches, one for a touchdown, another deep pass. They're starting to make plays. 
like I said at the beginning of the year, they're going to be your top two receivers. We had Juju, but it seems like now he's out of the picture. So we'll see how this develops, see how the line plays and develop, develop confidence and improve as the year goes along. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Uh, the wide receiver situation, especially after Juju, it was interesting to see Claypool more in the slot. That's where it opened up that 59-yard catch and run. Uh, the primary defender was Vaughn Miller. And so there's proof that, yes, linebackers, no matter what, even if they're pass rush specialists, are asked to sometimes defend against wide receivers. And it's not just the Steelers. It doesn't go well against. It could be any other team in the league. So let's stop with the... Uh, linebacker narrative there but now let's move on to the negatives and Brandon you're probably going to catch a little bit of hell for for the Ben Roethlisberger takes over the past couple weeks but they were warranted at the time and I will say this there was a couple key drops by Broncos players and I'm going to look at coincidentally one player with the last name Johnson, I know we're expecting it from Deontay, but instead this time it was from Alexander Johnson of the Denver Broncos, a linebacker. He had two clear picks that would have certainly changed the momentum of this game, and then fortunately they just fell harmlessly to the turf. And I believe people were saying there was another uh, dropped interception. So there's still a little bit of those issues with Ben Roethlisberger, even though he only threw the ball 25 times and had 15 completions. So there's still things to improve in, in terms of the Steelers passing game. But for the most part, it was more mobile than it's ever been at any point of this season. And really, when you think about it, aside from the second half of the Colts game, that was, and, and that, and, you know, the the climb back of the Browns game, that was really the best the Steelers passing game has looked in a long time. Well, um, the other the other pass that was almost intercepted was by the nose tackle Purcell from the Broncos. But Ray, Ray McLeod came in after like a DB and uh, played DB and got and knocked it off to the ground, knocked his wind out. But I'm going to say the bet negative is the defense is, is showing a pinch of, especially in the second half, of giving up big plays. Big plays. We had a 139 to Sutton and allowing drives. As the game goes along, the defense seems to be getting weaker and weaker and weak, weaker. The pass rush isn't getting there quite as well. I know they were coming back playing prevent, but of, you got to be able to close games out. And they have not, and they're not showing being to have been doing that. Yeah, I was going to go the same way with the, the secondary and giving up those big plays. Uh, I've kind of thought to myself lately, like this defense is just not like 2019. It just uh, – they're not making the plays. Like the turnovers, like uh, they only had one, and that was James Pierre at the end of the game there, who did bounce back. You know, he got beat for that touchdown by uh, by Sutton. But, um, yeah, I just – I think um, – and, and they're missing two it up front, and they have, they're having some injuries. But uh, I'll have to go on the defensive side. I mean, other than that, I can't really think of a major negative. Kind of like you t- mentioned, Ty, with uh, Roethlisberger, he, he did play better, but, you know, he still has some uh, accuracy issues, issues, and, you know, he should have been picked off at least twice there. Yeah, but, again, it's always been that little bit of a, of a difference that made it in the game. 
You you remember last week, Minka Fitzpatrick could have had a run back on that blocked kick, and I believe he also missed an interception opportunity in that game, and then you also think of the Bengals game. That That's how it is sometimes. It's just like these small little plays make such a huge difference, and it's and no matter the quarterback in the NFL, if you let those balls hit your hand and then drop, you're, you're giving guys an opportunity. Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame for a reason. Any opportunity that you have to put two hands on the ball, you make sure that you hold on to that thing for dear life or else he will make you pay. Even at this advanced stage where it's not often he will, but if you give him the chance, he will. It's all about opportunities. Never miss three opportunities. That's what good teams are supposed to do. And I always say, I think Denver's an average team. Not great. It was a get. It was a nice get-right game. They build the Steelers' confidence moving forward. Can we talk about this? This uh, at least the offensive lines. Well, I think it was their best showing, and that was pretend, That was the potential that they could show in this game in terms of everything. Because yes, they had that one sack fumble, but for the most part, there wasn't any of those oh no moments from the offensive line. Of course, aside from the false starts, but in this league with the pass rushing duos out there and a guy like Von Miller, you'll live with that occasionally. You don't want it often, but you'll live with it. But I thought that on all, that was a great job of what the offensive line did on Sunday. And that's what this team can expect in the future. There was a lot of glimpses of that against green Bay and other teams so far this season. But I think you've seen what this offensive line could do if they get more time to gel and more time to mature. Yeah, I wrote I think it was it was after the Raiders game where I said that, you know, you know, we had we had to be patient with this offensive line cuz you know, it's a young group. There's two rookies and Kevin Dodson's only in his second year and you know, it was a complete overhaul from last year. So, uh, you know, uh, you know they weren't playing well, so it's it understandable to for them to get a lot of criticism, but I mean, like as you mentioned, uh, they did show improvement against the Packers and it just really uh, all gelled well together on, on Sunday against the Broncos as, as they, were, they were really moving people off the ball and creating holes for Najee Harris. Ditto for that. I always say that you can't judge an offensive line until November, around a little bit before Thanksgiving, because it takes about eight to nine games to build chemistry and for you to congeal and then progressively – the team, the linemen, you have two rookies and a second-year player who's starting for the first time and another guy that's coming from a whole different system, another team. You got four new starters. It's going to take a while. The question is how talented these guys are, are and can their talent and their physicality make the adjustment and, make, and increase that curve, learning curve, and make them play well. There's there's a lot that can build on this, and I felt like that, especially with Najee, and, you know, you've seen the great footwork that he had against one run where he bounced off on the right side, and then he had, he had basically one defender from the Broncos, and as much as James Conner is lighting the world on fire in Arizona right now, <clears throat> he doesn't make those moves with his feet, and he's able to create those things, and that's what you need. They just need to have him in more situations in which he can go one-on-one with a linebacker or a defensive back, and he'll make those plays. He'll get those 
many explosive runs. I have to check the explosive run counter for him. I know he had at least one, but I don't think that would qualify as an explosive run, but it, it would qualify as a nice footwork run there. Well, I think it's not even about for me. He can, He's going to get those type of plays. My thing, what they had yesterday, running it on second down and long, not being afraid, get them four, four to five for a manageable third down situation that Ben can make those conversions. Because they were seven for 12 on third downs in this ball game compared to Denver when they went two for 12. They went three for four, fourth down, Denver, but but converting on third down, keeping the chains moving, wearing down that defense, keeping the offense on the field, it's a chain reaction, helping the defense out and everything like that. So that will make this offense run. Second and those four-yard runs on second down. Yeah, that's a good point about the third downs. Uh... Uh, you know, a big improvement from the Green Bay game because I think uh, the Packers were like 9 of 15 on third down, something like that. So uh, Denver is terrible, though, on third down and, and in the red zone. I saw a Broncos reporter, he, he posted some stats, and he said that, you know, they, they weren't good stats at all. But, uh, yeah, Bridgewater took them a while to really get comfortable. I, I remember tweeting during the game, I was like, man, there's like no rhythm with this offense. But then in the fourth quarter, he just like he went off. Denver came into the game 30th and third down conversions. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not, you're not winning good. with that. Yeah. No. Um, and their offensive line, you saw Mondu had a sack. That, that was a nice spin movie. Did it. Yeah. Their offensive line's not too great either. No, I, I, I was impressed with Javante Williams. I think he's going to be a pretty good player. He runs hard. Yeah. He, uh, and credits James Pierre for having that touchdown saving tackle there also. Yeah. We'll he's talk a- more about James Pierre. Because uh, you that last game, that last little drive they had there for Denver's opportunity, he both he kind of had like uh, the both ends of the spectrum. It's like, yo, come on, man, you got to make that pick. If you get two hands on, you got to do it and then save the game. But one last thing I want to talk about is also the play calling on offense for the Steelers versus defense for the Broncos. I think one thing that really helped out the Steelers in this game is that the Broncos still stayed in too high. And you noticed how the Packers, the Raiders, the Bengals all decided to do that one high safety look that made it so difficult for the Steelers to have these long catch and run situations with Claypool and even get, get some headway with Najee Harris in the run game. But the Bengals, I'm just taking a look and just going off of memory and going back and looking at this game. I don't remember them having much boxes stacked out there against Harris. It felt like the team had free will. Well, they weren't afraid of the running game at that point. So why would you, you can put seven in the box and you can stop them. So as we move forward, I believe they may start doing that. Other teams will start doing that. It's a copycat league. I'm thinking, like, you know, Seattle, who they play next, we'll review them. They are known for having the one high safety and having that corner in the box. So that's going to be a diff- more difficult challenge moving forward to next week than what we had yesterday. Yeah, and just looking at the, you know, some of the stats, Seattle's defense is 
uh, not very good at all either. So, you know, hopefully the Steelers can maybe build off of this performance they did against Denver. Uh, but, you know, as we mentioned, like it, it all comes down to that running game and limited Roethlisberger's uh, pass attempts. Uh, you know, it, he threw the ball downfield more and he's more efficient uh, yesterday. So, uh, you know, hopefully they, they could improve and, and continue to build off of that. Now let's switch up to the defense. And I want to continue on this play calling the one interesting thing is we were expecting Noah Fant to be a huge part of this offense, and he really didn't get any big parts of that offense until late. They were using him as a chip opportunity against Watt in that pass rush. And while the Steelers' pass rush probably didn't get home to at least the the way that we're all used to with it, it was more like the Bills game in which like they were getting home in different ways, but it wasn't the way that you expected with the Steelers. Um, do you guys think that was more TJ Watt putting the fear of God into the Broncos? Because that was just a strange decision to have your most athletic receiving threat. Yeah, they had other guys out there that that were punishing the Steelers, but still, that guy Noah Font Fant seemed like the piece de resistance for the Broncos. Yeah, I am. Shot. I was shocked that they didn't involve him too much in the passing game until late. But if you're playing against T.J. Watt and your line isn't as isn't that good in the first place, it makes it very hard, very difficult. And the Steelers got didn't get home. He maybe got Bridgewater to the court like down twice. But it's all about the pressures. It's all about the hurries, especially on third down. So they need to work about getting home. But I'm more, the thing is they need more turnovers against these teams that they are even or maybe a little bit less talented overall for moving forward. So my key is for the Steelers defense is not TJ Watt. Yeah, obviously Cameron, obviously is the one guy that can make those plays. That's Minka Fitzpatrick. He needs to be better than what PFF grades him on a weekly basis. I don't know. He, they said he was the worst safety, but, I don't know what he is now, Chris. If you have the grade of him right uh, now, I don't. I don't have. I haven't seen anything lately. But I mean, he definitely has to be better. Uh, you know, he, he did miss a tackle in that Javante Williams forty-nine yard run. Um, he did. He did. He did have a nice tackle there, an open field one. And I, he had. He led. He had a game high, uh, ten total tackles, I believe. But um, yeah, they just. Uh, you're right about the turnovers because they have what four, four turnovers in five games. Yeah, and that's. A- that is not good enough for the Steelers defense that last two years have been known to take the ball away. Um, yeah, Denver, I just, I, you know, I think they were worried about TJ Watt and stuff, but I'm sure they're kicking themselves for their game plan because they do, they just got going way too late. Like they have right. to, you know, for them, they have to get off to a better start and, right. you know, you know they, they were terrible on third down, you know, that's going to hurt them too. Uh, yeah. They should, they should have gave the ball to Williams more. They should have established the running game sooner and then they would be in those more comfortable third and four, third and five situations instead of third and eight, third and nine. They just didn't capitalize on on Williams because he is going to be a beast. He's like, I, huh. he, I think he's the second best running back in this class behind Harris. And, you know, that was a big penalty that they called him for, like, I guess, spiking the ball after his big 49-yard run. Yeah, they I, did. I didn't, 
I didn't really get a chance back to go see what it, like exactly like what he did, uh, you know, the nature of the spike, but that was big because that backed him up a little bit. And then Devin Bush had a big sack and then they're, yeah. they're like on the 17 yard line. It was like third and goal from the 17 yard, and they ended up kicking a field goal. So th- those little points definitely matter. And how big of a play was that leverage penalty they called? Cause the Steelers, they kicked a field goal, a 51 yarder by Chris Boswell. And then uh, it, they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Right. Well, the penalty from Williams is because he didn't score. They don't care if you spike the ball when you score. When you don't score, that's a delay of game. Yeah, a lot of a lot of moments from from the Broncos. I mean, I think that's the first time I've ever seen a leverage penalty. It's obviously a rule that should be in the game, but it's just like it's not anything you expect to see. And and you remember last year with the Cowboys, they were just jumping over the top of the line and blocking boswell in cowboy stadium down there so yeah i mean that's one way you could call that penalty and also had to really give big hats off to james pierre uh he balled out in ways you didn't expect but he came out with the biggest play of the game of course and let's also talk about him in the secondary and and again the big story here is still minka fitzpatrick um Again, he's not the worst safety in the league, but he's playing below below the standard that you expect from him right now. And I think it's it's kind of changed up a lot of what the Broncos attacked them. I mean, that went with Kendall Hinton going down the sideline, a couple toe taps there. There was just so many other ways that the Broncos offense was attacking the Steelers secondary. You you again you think they use Fant there. It's probably a win for the Broncos. Yeah, it's the way they – I think their strategy was a little bit off. But, like I said, uh, Fitzpatrick is starting is a like Ryan Clark says, if he's not turning – like getting interceptions and making being a ball hawk, how good is he really? You know, what good is he – what's the benefit is he's – bringing to your defense in an impactful way. So here's the question that, that I've been seeing a lot and, and I was in other Twitter spaces and they go like this, how much does he miss having guys like Mike Hilton and a healthy Cam Sutton and also Steven Jenkins out there? Because especially Jenkins, Jenkins is a man is a man to man beast. Hayden can also do things in man to man situations and I think that really played away with that. You think back to the interception against the Colts. A lot of that was just great defense by his other players forcing that ball in there from Hoyer. So I view it as sometimes it's the sum, it's the sum of the parts right now for Minka Fitzpatrick. And it's really going to be based on how well can the Steelers secondary develop this season because – if there's any other way, I don't think Minka's going to get the stats that he, that everyone expects. Uh, yeah, I think they do because they need – I think they missed a lot. And I still think – and Peyton's getting a little older, getting a little long in the two. He, did, he gave up a couple plays yesterday, so we'll see how that goes later in the season. I still think he should move to safety. That would help, but you can't do it in the middle of the year. I wonder how much the Carl Joseph add-on from the practice squad is supposed to help him with that. 
Yeah, I don't. I I didn't see him much. On, I don't. I don't even know if he had any defensive snaps. I don't even think he. I think he dressed, but he didn't play. I don't remember hearing the name Carl Joseph, and I know that with Fox, they would have mentioned he came off the practice squad at least once. I think he. I think he, you know definitely misses the those players' presence and you know not having to it up the middle is uh definitely a factor too. But I mean. He, he, he just got to start making a little bit more impact plays. I mean, there has been plays where he could have made where he just dropped the ball. I mean, they, they were kind of like tough catches or whatever, but, you know, for a player of his status, he, he has to make those type of plays. Yeah, because he is a little bit of a feast or famine type cornerback and safety. So, so what do you think about the uh, linebacking core right now? I think, I think Bush is playing a little bit better. He has he had a, another sack, you know, back-to-back weeks with a sack. Um, Schobert, you know, he hasn't really stood out. He hasn't been a real standout player, but I did, I did see some reports that, that he played better yesterday, but I haven't got a chance to look, go back and watch the game again. Yeah, because I don't I have to look at the stats of what he had. I don't think – I think he had about four to five tackles. The one thing with, with Bush, he's not going to be a, a pass rusher from the middle linebacker spot and largely middle linebackers in the Steelers – defense are kind of still used as defenders of the past and anything else but still anytime he gets the opportunity to rush out there you want to see him make those quarterback sacks and that's what he's done the last two weeks so anything that can make offensive lines think oh we have to account for this guy as well that can help out tj watt that can help out alex highsmith that can help out melvin ingram you want him to have those plays out there and that's that's important because again, Steelers middle linebackers they're brought out there for pass defense, not right. not going out there for pass rush and run defense as well. So that's big this week. And um, now I guess we could talk about James Pierre and his game. And and of course James Pierre, he made the game winning interception. He dropped the one uh, a few plays before that that would have been a highlight reel first interception, but I think anything to get you the game-winning interception is automatically going on your high highlight reel regardless. But, well, let's talk about it, Brandon, because you were the guy that was the, the most high out of this entire group on James Pierre. Are you impressed at least with his development? Because he did get burned earlier in the game, and there's a difference between a lot of Steelers cornerbacks in the past. They would let that build up on them and he did not let that build up on him yeah he did not blink at all I mean you're going to get burnt it's going to happen but he he stepped up his game he could have got another pick he could have gotten another uh he got the game winning interception I just like his makeup I saw him in camp and it just and he just stood out he flashed he came in as an undrafted rookie Kids got heart. He's got passion. I know this is like basic terms, but <laughs> I just saw something. I'm like, this guy could be your a starting corner by the end of the year, because I think he's this. Oh, what do I want to say now? This is now I get to do the big. T- I think he's their second best corner right now. It'll be Sutton, and then uh, Pierre. It was definitely a good, uh, you know, not letting that play, that getting beat on a touchdown, you know, let him b- bother him. And, uh, you know, he said after the game that he knew they were coming back at him. So it was good. You know, as Ty mentioned, he almost had that interception. And that, on that 
uh, game ceiling interception. Um, or he almost had an interception, you know, prior on that drive before he did actually uh, haul in the ball there. But um, yeah, on on his game uh, ceiling interception, he basically ran that route right with Cortland Sutton. Like it was just perfect coverage. And uh, Bridgewater, like he looked like he had no one else open on that play. It was just perfect defense by the Steelers and a uh, great job by Pierre. I know I, during the game I did because you know that's the second time this year that he got beat deep and he did struggle with some other receivers uh, this year. But um, no, that's going to happen with young cornerbacks like like Tomlin mentioned after the game. So uh, you know, credit to Pierre. How tough are we on the Steelers secondary? Because it seems like they're going back to that well of the undrafted corner in a lot of situations. Yes, Trey Norwood they did draft in the seventh round, but he's a safety by trade who also played sock, slot corner. How much time do you think these guys should get? Should they get the entire season and figure it out? Should it be similar to what Brandon said about the offensive lineman in which they should get to around Thanksgiving so we could see what they really are right now? Yeah, you have to give it time, especially for Pierre. Like, he's an undrafted free agent from last year. You know, he didn't play much last last season. Uh, so, you know, this is only the second year or so, and really the first time as a, you know, a starter or major contributor. So uh, you, you do have to be patient with it. I mean, you know, it's still early in the season and, you know, fans were frustrated that he, he keeps on getting beat deep, but, you know, on that last drive, he came through. So, you, you know, you have to tip your hat there to Pierre. Well, yeah, I still think once you get your full front seven healthy, when two, it gets back, that's going to help. That still help the scheme. That will help the secondary get that extra pressure that they need to, you know, cover for four to five sec- four to five seconds and make that play. And it'll help if uh, Mr. Edmonds. We talk about uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. We it can help that Mr. Edmonds here, former first round pick, could step his game up as well. Yeah, I, I saw some people saying that he played like a great game yesterday and. You know, I, like I mentioned, I haven't got a chance to go back and look. But we also mentioned that Fant, like, they weren't – they were keeping him in for protection because I saw people crediting, crediting Edmonds for, you know, locking up Fant. So, I don't know, Edmonds, is, you know, he's okay, but he's, he has the same issue with Fitzpatrick where they just um, – they, they don't make splash plays, really. They don't. And the plus, the plus like we said earlier, we're going back. It was probably because of the way Denver was using Fant that they couldn't expose uh, that matchup with Edmonds and Fitzpatrick. It could be that too. So we always think about, and he didn't do anything, but what are you going to do if the coaches are not giving you the ball and you use the, you use the chip because your line ain't that good? Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot to say about that. And it, it's weird how, how safeties get graded, especially in a situation in which Fant – wasn't what you would expect from that Broncos tight end. They they were keeping them in. So so naturally it's just like Edmonds plays as a box safety. So of course you, you look at the run game for for the Broncos. I think you put it put it on that and I go that I mean Javante Williams did a did a couple nice things out there. Melvin Gordon there's so many Melvins on on both sides that just confuse me. But he he also filled in pretty nicely as well. 
I think it's it's tough to judge the safety situation for the Steelers because week to week everything's so different. Yes, Edmonds has had some great games, but again, there there's so much you could judge with the safety situation for the Steelers where it just needs more time. It's it's about to be mid October. So now the final thoughts for us, I think we'll go quickly over to special teams. Boz is God as always and uh Presley Harvin had some field field swamping punts as well. I think we got to see what Presley Harvin could be in this game. He had punts of 53 and 62, if I remember off the top of my head. So again, that's a good that's a good sign there. I mean, people were trying to say that they need Jordan Berry back, and he's just going to be better in a dome. That's that's just the way that he punts. Right. Yeah, yeah the one was a 63-yarder, man. He, I think uh, <clears throat> Boswell mentioned out of the, after the game that he, like, he murdered the murdered the ball, and, he, you know, he really did, you know, go right. back there for Hardman after that 20-yard punt last week, which really hurt the Steelers as they, they had a short field. And uh, Rodgers oh. ended up driving down the field and scoring a touchdown there for the Packers. I what what can I add to that? Uh, Harvin played like a beast, punted like a beast. Boswell, it's a shame. It's a shame that he has never made a Pro Bowl. Well, you play in Justin Tucker's in your. He made the division. Pro Bowl once. Yes, yeah. he made it that 2017 year where okay he had like a bunch of Pro okay. Bowl. Okay, I did not. Okay, that, I'm sorry. He literally uh, won them games, man. That like like that 13 and three. I I can probably not even go back and count it. Five of them were probably game winning field goals by Bosworth. Yeah, it was because I remember a few of them, quite a few, writing for uh the point of Pittsburgh at the time. And then he but, had that 2018 season where you know things fell apart and people. But they wanted him out, out. But you know, credit to the Steelers for sticking with him because, uh, he, he's definitely a reliable kicker. One, he's one the, the third most accurate in kicker in NFL history right now. Third most. That is good. That is an excellent stat. But uh, return game, you could you could get a little bit more out of that. But but McDonald did make that play. He made that. Well, it was on offense, but. He stopped the interception. It's good to see that not only Fox, because you remember last year with Fox, they kept on calling Ray Ray McLeod, Ray Ray McDonald. And also <laughs> Mark Schlerer just called him Ray Ray McDonald at the beginning, corrected himself. And you just called him Ray Ray McDonald. So I guess that's his new alias. Whenever he's not doing well, his name's Ray Ray McDonald. Yes. Here's a stat that I just saw, Brandon. Uh, that uh, Najee Harris is the first NFL rookie running back to register a 100-yard rushing game and a 100-yard receiving game in the same season since uh, Saints running back Alvin Kamara in 2017. God, that was another name. Remember, I used to botch his name, too. <laughs> when I first we first did the show in his rookie year, I was like, this, uh, he talked to me as I said, uh, number 41. <laughs> and so I finally got it right. But that's that, – but that's an accomplishment. I'm telling you, he's the best. He's going to be, he's the best weapon that you have. You got to utilize him. Keep utilizing. Go with the Brandon Walker game <laughs> plan to success. And, and Somebody you know, must have reached the Warriors. A lot of people were bashing uh, the, the, the Steelers for dra- drafting Harris in the first round, like guys like Warren Sharp, some analytic, analytic people. But, you know, really, they didn't really have much of an option as far as like when they talk about offensive linemen. 
And, and one offensive lineman wasn't going to change everything for the, you know, this is a young group, like we mentioned, it's going to take a while for them to fully develop. And, you know, I think getting a featured back like Harris was the right move for the Steelers. All right. Final thoughts guys on the injury front for the Steelers and coming back to practice has been, well, an interesting thing to see with the Steelers. Uh, Zach Banner is closer to coming back from his ACL tear in the first game last year. I expect mm-hmm. to see him after the bye week at one point. Uh, Stephon Tewitt practiced for the first time last week. Uh, he should be making an appearance after the bye week as well. But the big story, of course, is Juju Smith-Schuster done for the season with a dislocated shoulder. His recovery time will take four months, and obviously the season basically ends in fe- in the end of February, so there's no chance unless he does a heroic comeback and somehow the Steelers make it to the Super Bowl, but that is not likely. So it, it's really sad to see this, that this could potentially be the last time you see Juju Smith-Schuster in a Steelers uniform. Okay, let me ask a question. What do you think Juju's legacy is here in Pittsburgh? Complicated, as always. I, I mean, you look at him in a time with one of the best receivers probably in NFL history. He feasted and... He had some glimpses of being a true number one in Pittsburgh without him, but in the end, there just wasn't enough in the tank for him. At least there wasn't enough in the chamber to firmly say that he was a true number one receiver. Well, I'll never forget his rookie season with the whole, you know, the bike story and um, Juju laying out uh, perfect. So I always remember that that rookie season for Juju. And, uh, you know, he was a great player, I think. You know, he did. I won't say maybe great, but you know, I think he was a good player. Like he was a contributing player. You know, I, I never thought he was really a number one wide receiver, but he was a solid number two. I thought. I think he's a great guy. I think he does great stuff off the field. Um, I, I just he's probably not. He's not. He's not. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's on the same level as far as Deontay and Johnson and um, Chase Claypool. I think they're just more talented overall receivers. And but Juju's great in the slot. You know, he's just he doesn't have like their. Uh, you know, Chase Claypool is just a freak of nature the way he's built. And then uh, Juju just, he just can't separate like Johnson can. So, but, uh, you know, definitely a crushing blow. You know, he bet, he bet on himself to come back on a one-year deal and then to only five years, I mean, only, only five games into the season to, to get injured and he's out for the rest of the year. That's really good. I don't know what he, what's going to happen after this year. Uh, his money value is definitely going to go down, I think, without having played most of the year. But uh, I don't, do you think he's back in Pittsburgh next year, Ty, or, and, and Brandon? There's a roadmap in which it's a possibility, but it depends. If the Steelers do get that veteran quarterback that Mike Tomlin has been hinting that the Steelers will look after in the offseason, I think there is a possibility. And It won't be for much. Like yeah. what he wants, so, you know. It's going to be a one-year proof. It's going to be another one-year another one year deal. Yeah. I think he might get a two he might get a two-year just this time to maybe get a little bit of security, but I, I don't know. Even even that two-year deal is unlikely. You guys may be more right with the one, but I think he'll try to shoot for a two at the very least. I say, you know what? I think you're right. I, you might be right. I say two years, 12. Two years, 12 million. I say the Steelers are going to go after a veteran quarterback. And I don't know if they're getting Aaron Rodgers, but they're going to find – I can see like somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo becoming available, still is grabbing him, and they grab another guy 
in the mix in maybe the second and third round, and I think Juju can come back for that. Come back for that. So, so that would talking about like a better quarterback, to, uh, like a placeholder. You don't think they'll go first round quarterback still? I number one, you know how to. We might crash. They, we I joked and say uh, uh, crash. They're gonna crash and burn. And go four and thirteen. Uh, they're they're gonna be closer. They're gonna be closer to five hundred. So they're not gonna be drafting. Uh, I don't think they're gonna be drafting that high to get a top notch elite quarterbacks. And I don't think there's a quarterback that's elite that comes out this year anyway. Because the way I've seen him, remember the guy from uh, Oklahoma is already on the bench. Yeah, that's true. They, they're not even looking at him. They're, I, I've seen a lot of people say Matt Corral in Ole Miss is the guy, potentially. There's, there's maybe four quarterbacks that, that people then, you know, they're talking about that guy from Nevada, Carson Strong. Uh, you know, Malik Willis, too, is another name. I think there's like three or four quarterbacks. I think that they might they might be uh, mentioned here in the first round of the draft next year. Yeah, we're gonna get more information as the season goes on. That's just one of those things where you can't <laughs> see it. Also, <laughs> it's too early. <laughs> it's way too early. Remember, last year people were kind of crapping on the quarterback class outside of Lawrence up until maybe around November. So, no, no one knew about Zach Wilson. We mentioned yeah, exactly. That. Uh, so you got to be patient with the you know people always say oh the quarterback this it's terrible but it's terrible um, until it's draft night and suddenly yeah. it's amazing yeah oh yeah it's unless like, unless of course Geno Smith who is potentially going to be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks is up in the top five alongside EJ Manuel but I digress yeah that was that that was, that quarterback class is pretty bad Third, 2013 <laughs> that was probably the worst no. 2007 was the worst class. That was with Jamarcus Russell, Brady Quinn. The best quarterback, I think, was Kevin Cobb. Yeah. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Have you guys remember? Do you guys remember him from Houston? I, I remember him because, again, secondary Cardinals fan. I do check them out occasionally. He was the, supposed to be the guy after Kurt Warner. and He was actually supposed to be the guy after Donovan McNabb. Yeah, that as well. But but instead, it was Foles for a little bit, and then they biffed that until he came back and Philly special, Super Bowl MVP, ta-da. But yeah. regardless, guys, that's it for our preview podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please rate this five stars on Apple Podcasts. And, and, of course, leave a review wherever you can leave reviews at. Like, subscribe, hit the notification ding bell. Just make sure that no matter what, you're tuning in to the Renegade Blitz podcast whenever you can. And so that's all for us. For Chris Ward and Brandon Walker, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at our Blitz pod, and at Blitz videos. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. The Renegade Blitz podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you can listen to podcasts.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.